Hey guys, here we are again. Scott Short with Mason with Effie Mortgage. Mortgage license number is NMLS number 225998. 225998. That's my license number. So here's questions. Back into reading Miss Linda Fryer's book called The Big Score Getting It and Keeping It. So it says uh, Buying Power for Life. So we're back to, we're into chapter three. Finished chapter two last time. So we're in chapter three. Now we're getting to the heart of a lot of stuff where there's one reason I'm probably, well, one of the many reasons I'm doing this uh, podcast is uh, what she says here is credit awareness out of the shadows and into the spotlight. So talking about uh, not all credit repair advice is good. Page 37. I'm going to roll over to page 38 where she kind of elaborates on that information. It says how to separate good advice from bad. Page 38. Don't use credit cards dash pay everything in cash. Pay off all collections before applying for a loan. Close accounts you don't need or use. Pay off your auto loans so your debt ratios goes down. All sounds like great advice, right? She says. I can tell you from firsthand that all of these items will neg- negatively impact your credit score. As you can see, it's not all, uh, always easy to separate good advice from bad. So let's start. Let's start with the first one. It says, "Don't use credit cards. Pay everything in cash." So if you have no credit cards, how do you have a credit score? <laughs> so that's kind of you have to have a measuring stick, right? Number two, pay off all collections before applying for a loan. Okay. So you pay off a collection. The computer says, "Paid collection today," and it thinks it is today. It thinks the credit card. It thinks that collection is today. Brand new item. Score will drop through the floor. Not a good idea. Close accounts that you don't need or use. Well, that just kills all the history you had. So it shows, doesn't show that you know you are you are good uh, risk. So uh, not a good idea. Pay off, all, pay off your auto loans so your debt ratios goes down. That's true on the debt ratio because you have less payments out, but then it's gonna hurt your uh, credit score because that's one of the hierarchy of what I call from credit cards, bottom of the barrel, or, well, not bottom of the barrel, but you know, starting the, the pyramid at the bottom, car loans and home loans are kind of like the pyramid. As you climb up the pyramid, that's going to help your score when, when you have those items. So let's go back into her words. Uh, haste definitely makes waste when it comes to making decisions about how to handle credit challenges. And in some cases, it is almost impossible to reverse the wrong decision. Taking action on bad advice can cause an instant drop of up to 100 points or more to your credit score. Ouch. Trust me on this. In later chapters, I will show you how a drop of 100 points can cost thousands of dollars per month in additional interest rates and fees. That's the attention grabber, isn't it? Yes, it is. So what she's saying there is if your, if your credit score drops too low, you will definitely um, not qualify for a lot of different programs. If you um, also have that, your PMI will be higher. More insurance, if you, if you put less than 20% down. Also, your interest will be higher because you're considered higher risk because lower the score higher probability you'll file bankruptcy at some point. Not a good thing for a lender to uh, have to worry about, right? So page 39. Here, let's see, here are some tips to help you separate good advice from bad when it comes to your credit. First one, get educated. Learning how to separate good advice from bad is not easy, but can be done if, you're, if you do your research. You, can, uh, you have taken the first step by deciding to read this book. <laughs> I hear that. And let's see, um, blah, blah, blah. Next one, <clears throat> ask for a referral. Asking for referrals from a source that you can trust is a great step. Next one, don't buy into a sales pitch. 
Firms that advertise on television or the newspaper are generally staffed with salespeople, not specialist, specialist, uh, use the word, specialist who can help you. My company, her company being Linda Ferrari, has never advertised to uh, directly to consumers. So it means that she's got a referral from lenders that use her services and seen her, her results and are very happy with that, right? You don't refer people you don't have people, hopefully. <laughs> Next one, expect to pay. Don't expect to receive good advice for free. Everyone has, uh, has to make a living. Um, if you call on a professional credit expert for advice, expect to pay as you would any attorney or accountant. Yeah, makes sense. Ask questions. Make sure the credit specialist you are talking to or taking advice from can tell you how credit scores are calculated. In this book, she'll, you know, she'll show you in the book later on chapters. Okay. Next one, be realistic. Improving credit scores takes time. We always equate it to a diet. You know, you don't get fat overnight, right? So you can't lose weight overnight. So same credit. You don't get junky credit overnight. It takes a little bit and takes practice. And some people with a credit score is less than, you know, 600, 500, whatever. That takes work. <laughs> you got to be really not paying anything, right? Or we'll, we'll I won't digress. Sorry. <laughs> Next one, participate. One of the reasons many, uh, my program is so successful is that I require participation from the client, which I do the same thing in my business. So if you're willing to participate, I'm willing to play. If you're not willing to participate, you know, why should we go through, through the motions, right? So here we go. Chapter four, the cost of not paying attention. So how did consumers get here? Okay, so you talk about that. I'm not going to read that too far there. Let's go. How credit scores affect mortgage payments? Fact. According to a recent survey conducted by the National Association for Business Economics, the combined threat of subprime loans, that's back in, you know, this thing was written back in the 2000s, uh, default and excessive indebtedness has overtaken terrorism and Middle East in the, in the middle, uh, back it up. Indebtedness has take, overtaken terrorism and the Middle East as the biggest short-term threat to the U.S. economy. So as we all know that when the market hit, you know, we saw a massive bloodletting and the economy went south for the winter for a long time. So this fact is pretty factual, huh? Back to her words. Uh, it says here, here are the short list of how much low credit scores can cost. You may have never owned a home at all, again, or for years. Whether, whether, uh, whether or not you always had poor credit or have just suffered from the recent mortgage crisis, this is very real possibility for the individual. If you have low scores or problematic reports, lenders will either deny you flat out or penalize you, register interest rate and products and all that kind of stuff, right? So there you go. Number two, you will pay higher interest rates. We talked about that. Number three, now you will be subject to loan level price adjustments. So the LLPA, loan level price adjustments, are going to be definitely affecting you in reference to the score on the value, loan product. There's a lot of different things to look at. The basic easier way to look at this is going to be the layers of risk. The higher risk you are, the higher rate you're going to get. The lower risk you are, the lower rate you get, right? Makes sense. So if you're going to lend money to somebody, you like to get it back, right? <laughs> so are the banks. Okay, number four, you will pay more for private mortgage insurance. That's true. The lower the score you have, the higher risk the mortgage insurance company, the PMI company will take, the private mortgage insurance company will take, they will definitely uh, increase that rate because of the risk. Number five, you will compromise your ability to refinance or cash out. Yeah, the lower score you have, then you're going to, you know, because the highest risk loan for a lender or one of the highest risk loans for a lender is going to be cash out loans. You're going to pull cash out of your house 
and basically do what you want with it. So Leonard's now going, oh my God, I hope he pays me back, right? So that's where Leonard's getting a little nervous about the cash out loans. Then on page 44, credit scores affect much more than mortgage payments. 15 more ways consumers suffer. Okay, number one, lost opportunity. After hearing the stories of thousands of people, I know the biggest and most heartbreaking cost of poor credit is lost opportunity. There you go. Humiliation. Well, can't buy things, so pretty much humiliated, right? Employment opportunities. Well, the employer's going to look at your credit score, like we talked originally, and that could be a problem. Medical emergencies. In the, uh, in the imminent future, hospitals will likely pull credit scores to determine your ability to pay your medical bills. This, uh, it is called the MedFICO, M-E-D-FICO, F-I-C-O, and uh, I talk about that more in Chapter 5, okay? We'll talk about it later, okay? Auto loans, same thing. If you have margin credit, then there you go, right? Uh, educational loans, yes, same thing. Uh, business ownership, yes. It's going to be a problem getting an SBA loan or any kind of loans if you have margin credit. Surety, uh, surety bonds, saying if you, you know, if you need a surety bond for your job, that'd be a problem if your credit is marginal, right? Checking accounts, yep, same thing. They're going, the, the banks say, yeah, it's your money, but if you write overdrafts, that causes them money and causes problems and, if you're, low, if you're a high risk, then may not get that. Credit card, same thing. Renting an apartment, could be possible if you have marginal credit. Maybe, you know, they want that paid. Rent a car, yes. Utilities, yes. Insurance rates, yes. All these things are going to be affected by your credit score, and uh, you need to make sure you uh, deal with it properly. Okay, here we go, chapter five. Where do credit reports and scores come from, and how many do I really have? Well, let's go. This is now that you know the cost of casualties of low credit scores and poor credit. Let's talk about where credit scores come from and cover some basic questions about credit reports and scores. Although credit scoring has been around since 1950, like we originally started with in episode one, <laughs> it wasn't until 1980 that, the hit the, uh, that it hit the mainstream United States. Before that, lenders would use human judgment and personal opinion when evaluating credit reports. And to make decisions in, um, up, uh, to make decisions on applicants' ability to repay debt. So you said somebody, so then, you know, you have a human body person looking at something, yeah, could cause a little bit of human error, right? Let's keep going. Next one, uh, the history of credit reports. Where did those reports come from that lenders base their judgment on? It's all started in, 19, excuse me, ooh, 1898, not 1998, 1898. 1898. Wow. With two brothers who owned a grocery store in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Can you say that twice? Uh, it looks like Cater, C A T O R, and Guy Wolford assembled credit records of local residents and created what they called the Merchant's Guide, <clears throat> to me, which they sold to retailers and created what they call, oh, sorry. So they sold to retailers, sorry, for $25 per year. Well, back in 1898, that's probably like a billion dollars, right? <laughs> okay. Retailers use information as an indicator of a consumer's credit worthiness. Uh, sounds to me like they're making the first credit report. Hmm. Yeah, makes sense. That per is what Linda's saying. Okay. The Merchants Guide was so successful that Wolford set out to make credit reporting their career. Eventually, their, their company, originally called Retail Credit, became Equifax. We've all heard of Equifax, right? one of the nation's three major credit reporting agencies. <clears throat> me. And with any, success, so with, any, uh, with any successful business idea, you can imagine that hundreds of entrepreneurs 
followed the footsteps of credit of retail credit, hoping to profit on the great idea. Mm-hmm. The big three, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, also known as the credit bureaus. So who exactly are the three big three? So let's see. It says, mistake, mistakenly referred to as the government, the IRS, the devil, and many other names that would not be appropriate to list in this book. I have found that one of the biggest consumer misconceptions in credit is who the three credit bureaus really are. The word bureau in the encyclopedia refers to public office, government agency, news bureau. No wonder there's so much confusion. The credit bureaus are not a government agency. They do not work for the banks or creditors, and they are not paid to make your life miserable, which you think they are, but they aren't. (laughs) It just feels that way. There are three companies that saw a vision of huge profits and made by collecting data about you from your creditors and reselling that data to prospective, prospective lenders, employers, insurance companies, utility companies, and most recently to you, the consumer. Today, all credit reports have one thing in common, the big three. All credit reports vendors get their data from these three credit reporting agencies. So I can, so I think it's uh, extremely important that you familiarize yourself with who they are. Okay, let's start this. Equifax, who is it? As mentioned above, Equifax is originally found, found Ed, because it's past tense, right? As the retail credit company in 1898. After their initial success, selling credit information to local retailers, the company continued to expand with 300 branches and nearly 1,400 satellite offices. In the mid-1960s, retail credit took the first step towards automation. That took a 3 by 5 index card bearing information on thousands of consumers and converting it into electronic database, which proves to be the company's greatest asset. Well, makes sense to me. Data's data, right? And there we go. 1979, they changed their name to Equifax and strengthened their reporting operations by buying group, by buying up small companies. Today, the company's headquarters, and this is, remember this is 2008, Atlanta, Georgia, employees, employs approximately 6,900 empo- uh, people in 14 countries throughout countries throughout the, oh, North America, Latin America, and Europe. I was going to wonder about counties, but it's countries. They currently maintain data on more than 300 million consumers and 100 million businesses worldwide. 2008 data, right? Or 2006, probably. Because it was, the, the book was copied in 2008. What is Experian? If you come from the generation or before, you probably recognize the name TRW, Tom Robert William, just for letters right <laughs> in order to understand the relationship of trw and Experian, uh let's see so back here you go thompson R- ramo and woolridge inc that's the trw well there you go that's the real number that's the real letters for trw was founded in 1901 as the cleveland cap screw company what the heck is a cap screw company got to do price of rice okay it began making cap screws bolts and studs but soon it may uh the main product was welding waves well, I'm sorry. Product was welded values of cars made by automotive pioneer Alexander Winton. In 1960, TRW launched an information system service division and started compiling a consumer database like Equifax. The company grew by purchasing smaller businesses and continued to expand. 
1980, the company was had a firm position as the largest credit rep- reporting agency in the United States and the credit history on file of approximately 90 million Americans. 2008 data, right? However, in the early 1990s, article of the Wall Street Journal accused TRW of sloppy procedures and inadequate response to consumer complaints. These accusations resulted in a multitude of lawsuits, most of which were remedied. That's a big word, no? Not a big word, but a hard word. Remedied. However, at this point, TRW decided to sell off the information system division, and the first buyer in line was the company called Experian, founded in 1980 by a man named John Pace of Nottingham, Nottingham, England. Hmm. Need a better accent, huh? Prior to 1996, Experian required, uh, acquired its U.S. credit reporting business from TRW. Experian Business was a marketing solutions decision analyst, analytical, um, analytic, and interactive service. Blech, words. Col- um, collecting information on people, businesses, motor vehicles, insurance, and lifestyle data. Hmm, lifestyle data. Interesting. The company currently employed more than 4,500 people in North America maintaining credit information on approximately 215 million consumers and 15 million businesses. TransUnion. Okay, here we go. TransUnion. TransUnion was formed in 1968 by the parent holding company of the Union Tank Car Company. Wow. These don't, these, it's bizarre how these companies are (laughs) created from where, right? Keep going. And they were a rail car leasing company. They entered into the credit reporting business in 1969 when they acquired the Credit Bureau of Cook County, CBCC for initials, which uh, mainly maintained 3.6 million card files uh, in 407 drawer cabinets. 407 drawer cabinets, that's a lot of darn drawers. Okay, in early 1970, TransUnion created the tape to disk transformation, which drastically cut the time cost in updating consumer files became the first company in the credit reporting industry to to revolutionize the transfer of data. So well, that's about enough for me. That's like, okay, too much TMI, right? TMI. Keep going forward. Okay. The history of credit scores, who is Fair Isaac and company or FICO, F-I-C-O. In 1956, the engineer named Bill Fair a mathematic, and a mathematician named Earl Isaac saw a great opportunity to fill the need in the credit reporting industry for an objective scoring system that would analyze all the data about consumers quickly and with greater accuracy than human judgment and personal opinion. So with the investment of $400 each, 800 bucks total, they started on a plan to create the first credit scoring system. The company is called Fair Isaac and Company, FICO. Between 1956 and 1980, Fair Isaac and Company implemented its scoring software into the European banking system. After such success in Europe, the credit scoring system hit mainstream in the United States in 1989, uh, debuting at Equifax. In 1991, TransUnion and Experian came on board. The three major credit reporting agencies, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion, worked with Fair Isaac, or yeah, Fair Isaac Company, to implement the objective scoring system and would analyze all available data on any given individual and they compare it against the National average consumer spending habit. A three-digit scoring system was developed and rate individual with scores between 300 to 850. So 300 is low, 850 is high. So if you have 300, wow, 
you definitely worked on making your credit bad <laughs> or into abysmal. In 850, wow, you are doing everything right. In fact, it says it's important to understand that Fair Isaac or Fair Isaac and Company itself does not store data on consumers and they cannot change your credit score, scores one, or keep your record of them. They simply provide the analytical tools and solutions to determine credit scores. Okay. How many scores do you have and which one counts? You have one score, you have one plus score, you have one true FICO score. All scores are FICO scores. These are the ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go down here. Do any of these sound familiar? Many consumers believe that there is only one credit score. This is not true. Every individual has three scores and are used by both lending and non-lending industries. These scores are generated from the data stored at the three credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Where it goes, let's see, where it gets confusing is, uh, is that there are hundreds of versions of these three score, uh, three credit scores generated from this data and sold to consumers and lenders by hundreds of different scoring vendors. As I, as I will discuss in more detail below, every credit score vendor uses the same data from each credit bureau. However, they all use different software to calculate. That's where I come into the conversation about different models, how they, what's the formula to create the score. So if you ever seen credit, Rarely, 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 but not saying never, but rarely we ever see um, all three being the same or two out of three being the same. You probably see more two out of three being the same, but three out of the same, woo, that'd be weird. So it says here, the credit tree, excuse me, the credit distribution tree, page 54. Understanding the different aspects of credit scoring process can be difficult to get your head around. The following charts use the graphic presentation, as you can see charts on podcasts, huh? <laughs> Let's not go there. Um, let's see. Do I want to go here? Let's see. Let's see if we go here. Credit bureaus. They store data individually. They update your file whenever the credit reports. They do not store your credit score. They sell your data to business and consumers. Okay. Summary. Equifax sends data to myfico.com, which is, uh, which I'll, she'll talk about later in another chapter, which we'll talk about later. Huh? All three credit bureaus sell data to hundreds of tri-merge vendors. So what that means is that we're going to be pulling, well, I get I get a third party pulling my credit. Currently we're using um, Credit Plus, a great company. So they're a, they're a third party vendor. They're the ones licensed with the, to pull the credit and actually give us the credit report. And let's see, third party vendors, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the difference? Okay, as the chart shows, there are four channels by which business and consumers can access. My FICO, AKA true FICO score. Uh, the credit bureau score, uh, Equifax, Springer, TransUnion, online score, TriMerge score. Okay, the truth says the true FICO score. Credit scores are almost always referred to as FICO. This creates the same confusion because most people do not actually get a true FICO score. Rather, they get a score generated by a modified version of true FICO model. We're talking about models, okay. There are only two places to get true FICO scores. From myfico.com, the consumer division of Fair Isaac, the creator of the credit scoring software, blah, blah, blah. And let's see where the second one is. And even though, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Okay, why would you want to, why would you want true FICO score? As many of you, many of 90% of the US, US lenders use FICO models to make decisions, uh, lending decisions, that's true. 
if there's, that's the case, why wouldn't you always purchase a true FICO? Credit reports and scores purchased from my FICO are more expensive than online consumer credit reports. That's true. Cause you do a lot more research, you know, cause you can get one probably from, you know, the, the triple W annual credit report.com. You know, that's the free one, but you'd have to pay for a score. And you want that score because it's going to be a non-filtered, non-modeled score. So it will not match the, if you're buying a house or buying a car. So there you go. What if you, uh, what if, what is a good idea to purchase a true, what, sorry, when is it a good idea to purchase a true FICO score? Before applying for a loan, this is the best way to know your lender will base their terms on. So I always tell people go to my, to the annualcreditpart.com website, check it out. So it looks like you reference to just the pure data, make sure it's correct. And then, you know, um, there are probably other places out there you can probably get scores. But like I said, if you're pulling directly from the bureaus, that score will be higher normally than we have on ours. Okay. Let's go on to what she says here. Okay. The credit bureau scores say um, they do. So uh, let's, let's stop here. Let's, let's, let's wait for the next chapter here, guys. Or let's, let's wait for the next podcast. I'm going too much. I think your brain's probably hurting right now. So thanks for listening. We'll definitely start again next, next time.